Hello, my name is Woody Harrelson. And I'm Zach Afron. <laughs> and this is No Nerds Allowed. <laughs> Please don't sue Woody Harrelson and Zach Afron. I like the way you say Zach Afron. I don't know anything else French. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll say a French food, and I'll be like, oh, Zach Efron with insert French food. And I was like, escargot. Oh, escargot. Escargot. I was like, with linguine. And I was like, that's, that's <laughs> very much Italian. Anyway, um, hello, I'm Jackson McMurray. <laughs> I'm Adeline McMurray. And we, we did the are intro, now the. Don't... And we are in the middle of a court case between us and Woody Harrison and Zach Efron. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. I don't. I don't know. I don't have anything else to talk about. Do you want to just jump into it? You want to? Do you want to have anything in your life? No life. That's um, happening. I went to Spokane briefly. Yeah, I was there. And then came back. It yeah. was very fun. Um, I'm. Yeah. I should have. You know what we gotta do? We gotta what start we having gotta things lined up ahead of time before we start recording. <laughs> I was thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, then that's what were you thinking about? You haven't brought anything to the table. Oh, well, I usually you do. So it's when you go through it first. I recently got Photoshop, and I've been learning how it works and like having like real brushes and real like drawing physics and being able to like actually draw on my computer like a regular human being instead of having to draw scan it and then get it on my computer and then trace it is so <laughs> nice i feel like a real person yeah it sounds nice the uh yeah. what sort of tablet are you using right now uh just my computer oh it's oh that's right because you've got the surface sorry i forgot yeah. i've got a surface pro so i can just draw right the hell on my computer it's so nice <laughs> I do have a bamboo tablet that's also really nice, but I have to get new nibs for it because the nib is getting really low on it. That's the Adeline, little... Adeline, this is a family that, podcast. No, that's the pencil part of the pen. Like, the, the point that comes out, that's the nib. Would that's you the... ever Would you ever have a use for the bamboo since you have a Surface Pro now? I mean, I think the bamboo is supposed to be nicer, but I don't know because my Surface Pro has, like, pressure and everything. Right. So I don't know why I would need it. I don't know. And I also don't need to buy nibs for the pen that comes with the Surface Pro because it doesn't have one. It's just like a little foam tip. Yeah, so don't it, have doesn't to replace have, it. it doesn't have those things because Microsoft is a good Christian company. <laughs> it's classy. doesn't force me to say nib all the time. <laughs> but yeah, apparently removing nibs is like super hard and you can totally just like wreck your pen if you do it wrong. So I don't no, want to do it. I hate that whole phrase. <laughs> well, removing nibs is super hard. <laughs> it's called top surgery. I don't even anyway. know what kind of joke that's supposed to be. I just know that I hate the sound of that voice. <laughs> I don't know what sort of imagery that's supposed to conjure. 
Anyway. So what? Are, you don't have any creative endeavors. You're not doing anything with your time on this planet. Um, I'm thinking about starting to do a couple more videos on this channel about comic books. Yeah. Uh, like about actual comic books rather than comic book movies, as I have yeah. been doing. Um, I won't give it away, but I've just I've got a lot of things to say about the rise Everything. of diversity in Marvel comics and why it's great. And if you're complaining about it, you should shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I won't give it away too much. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'm also working on a video to put on here that's going to be about Bioshock, but it's going to take a very long time, so <laughs> just know that someday, some way, yeah, Consider will yourself be, teased. Yeah, there will be a video about Bioshock on here that I will have made and maybe drawn it. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. I haven't made it yet. So yeah, I don't know. With my little thing, I think down the road I'll probably want to make a few videos about like comic book things yeah um i don't know how i want to like market them like i don't know if i want to put it under the study in marvel umbrella or just call it something else because it's going to be basically the same thing just just about comic books yeah you could call it a portrait of marvel (laughs) study in marvel special report hey shut up (laughs) (laughs) i'm right you're wrong shut up (laughs) yeah that's from the Try Guys ranking videos. <laughs> I think the hardest part about having a podcast is just like in my everyday language, I make so many references just as jokes, especially to you because we're the same right. person and have grown up together <laughs> for like 18 years. So we know all the references that we all make. But when I'm on a podcast, it just sounds like I'm straight up stealing other people's <laughs> jokes and I'm not trying to. It's just how I talk. Oh, by the way, um, I brought up the idea of maybe we should have a reoccurring bit on this podcast where we spend a minute and just take the time to talk about a vine that we like. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to start doing that now? Okay. Are you going to talk the one that you're talking to me yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to feature um, a vine today, uh, the one where the guy is like, oh, fuck, I have a lisp. I can't just say Rice Krispies treats out loud. It's like, hey, do you want a blue bar? bar? (laughs) I just want to know, like, the whole process behind that joke. Like, somebody called a Rice Krispies treat a blue bar, and I feel like in his head, he was like, why the fuck would anybody call a Rice Krispies treat a blue bar? In my head, I would really like for this reoccurring bit that we are for sure going to do every time on this podcast from now on, um, to not have any audio from the vine in it. No. Uh, it's just us recreating with our mouths the audio from a vine and saying Because that that's what I'm funny. literally always doing every yeah. single day of every waking moment of my life. I'm just rehearsing and quoting vines. <laughs> okay, uh, do you have the, a vine you want to feature? I think that's the true Gen Z experience, is just having <laughs> every single my, vine you've ever seen memorized. <laughs> What's a good vine? Well, now that you've put me on the spot, I'm going to forget all vines. I mean, there's always the great one of where the girl sees the light on the ground and she goes, Move out of the way! It's the Lord! (laughs) The light, like, looks like a cross, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) It's the Lord! Uh, You know what really got me really good the other day? What? The one where it's just the guy, like, sitting in his car, and he's just like, so none of you guys are going to teach me how to whip? Whatever, that's fine. All y'all can suck a caterpillar dick. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's a good maybe one. my favorite vine ever. That makes me laugh so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's also the one of the guy raising awareness about Cement Day. 
<laughs> which is really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, semen. Oh. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we did four vines in that segment. That's too many. We did We're a lot of run vines. Out. Listen, we, I could just talk about vines all day, so we can't keep doing this. <laughs> Should we have a different podcast for vine appreciation? Yeah, where we just quote vines. <laughs> we don't have anything open in front of us. We no. just sit there and think about which vines we like. Which vines made us laugh. Just whichever ones just happen on the top of our head. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about the movie? <laughs> yeah, the sure. Movie hey, Adeline, did. you picked the movie. What movie did we watch? Uh, we watched Frozen because the trailer for Frozen 2 dropped. And we already talked about that. And it's bonkers bananas crazy. And so I thought we should revisit the original Frozen because I have absolutely no idea what they're going to do in the sequel. <laughs> like, yeah, after so... watching after watching Frozen again and, like, watching the ending, it ends in such a perfect bow. Like, I literally have no idea what they're doing for the sequel. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so this is probably going to be sort of a situation kind of like we had with Buster Scruggs um, in that uh, I took these notes about two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, and I watched and the movie ten minutes ago. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I'm, like, 75% sure I know what all these notes mean. But yeah. there are a few that I'm a little bit fuzzy on, so I might need your help to clear up some of the things okay, that cool. I thought while watching the movie. Well, first um, off, I want to get two things out of the way real quick. I feel like Frozen is a victim of this new thing that's been happening lately, where if you hate something, it has to be toxic and problematic, and if you like something, it has to be revolutionary and groundbreaking and right. full of good things. And I just uh-huh. feel like Frozen was none of those <laughs> yeah, and everybody no. thought they were either one or the other. Like, it's not the worst movie on the planet, but it's also not a godsend. And I feel like right. it just got, it either got put on a pedestal or got dug in the ground. And I feel like it doesn't deserve either of those. Right. And well, I feel like that's almost sort of a symptom of the way that this movie sees itself. Also like, very, very true. Yeah. Like this movie is not nearly as subversive as it thinks it is. Oh, it's very much, when we talked about Beauty and the Beast, it's very much that same kind of thing. I keep describing this movie as a gotcha movie, because they're always trying <laughs> right, to getcha yeah. on the stupidest stuff. You thought there was going to be a real prince? Why don't you fuck yourself? <laughs> you thought that Sven was going to die? Are you a fucking idiot? I'm frozen. <laughs> this is how I talk to children. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the second thing we have to get out of the way is that... The Frozen that we got is not the Frozen that they spent so much work and effort into. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was going to bring that up, too. I started, yeah. I told Anna a little while ago that we were going to do this podcast, and the yeah. very first thing she said was just like, oh, man, Frozen's such a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no. So what had happened was, is that you see concept art for Frozen all over the place, and it's super cool and imaginative, and you have this evil ice queen that's, like, absolutely gorgeous, and you have Anna, this, like, sweet peasant girl, and you have this really cool story set up. And then they wrote Let It Go for the villain that was going to be Elsa to sing. And as mm-hmm. soon as they wrote Let It Go, the executive like producers and people were like, man, we want that song to be our female empowerment song. Make Elsa not a villain. And everyone involved went, uh, fuck? How <laughs> do we do that? <laughs> and so they made an entire movie with not as much time as they did for the original, which is why yeah. Anna and Elsa and her mom literally actually have the same exact face. It's because they didn't have time to make different character models. And you can totally see it in the background characters, too. Like, all the trolls literally are the exact same model 
and like they have like two variations, and that's just like multiplied by a thousand. Yeah. And the same thing with when at the coronation ball, like all of the background people, they made like four people and then just like colored them different differently and repeated <laughs> it. Like it's super obvious when you look at the movie now. You're like, oh, I see what they were gonna do, and then they didn't, and then right. the animation budget ran out. <laughs> No, yeah, evidently, um, I haven't gone back and watched it since Anna told me this. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's a moment in Let It Go where Anna's hair clips through her arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's when she unfurls her hair from her braid <laughs> and her hair hilarious. grows by like in two feet in length, which is whatever. <laughs> but then it also clips through her arm. And it's like, okay. <laughs> well, which is so weird because I was just, I was trying to watch the movie with none of the biases that I had. Because when right. it came out, I was 13. So I had a lot of really stupid right. opinions. Yeah. So I was trying to come at it fresh. And, like, the whole Let It Go sequence is still really pretty and still honestly gets me. Like, it's a great oh, it really song. Is. But it's weird because the animation still holds up really well in a lot of parts and is gorgeous in a lot of parts. And then there's other parts where she's, like, running up the hill in the snow and she looks like her legs <laughs> are broken and then her yeah. hair clips to her arm. And it's just so weirdo bizarre because it's so good at other parts. It's so, like, oh, crap, we right. ran out of time at other parts. I mean, to me, it just feels like a top-of-the-line animated movie from, like, five years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, I guess this movie probably came out almost five years ago now. But I mean, like, five years before the movie came out. 2013 or whatever it came out. I think it might be 2012. And it's also, it's just really interesting to me that, like, the, the dreaded corporate mandate behind this movie was, like to do something interesting and different that they weren't planning on, which is, like, so yeah. funny and bass-ackwards. Like, the plot of the original Frozen movie, from what I can tell, was super a very... Cliche. Yeah, super cliche, super cut-and-dry movie. Uh, and, a, like, corporate Disney was like, hey, guys, why don't you make yeah. it weird and crazy and do something totally wild with it? And they're like, we don't really want to, but sure. Which is, like, I don't know, just totally the opposite yeah. of the narrative you usually hear. Well, you see... What had happened was, is that it's the difference between a really cliche thing done super well and then a new weird thing done poorly. Right. Because I was really enjoying this movie up until the last, like, four scenes. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I remember why I didn't like this movie. (laughs) The whole only an act of true love thing comes in at, like, the 12th act and is so stupid and doesn't do anything. Real dumb. We can... I have a lot of opinions when we get to it, but just, like, buckle up, because it's (laughs) a real dumb. Oh, and by the way, uh, you want to know something that I did for this movie that I think would be good for us to do in the future? What? Is before I started recording, I watched the cinema scenes of this movie, and I crossed out some of my notes, (laughs) which I think... It's just, I don't know, I think I feel like that's a healthy thing for me to do. I haven't watched the CinemaSins for this movie in a really long time, but when they get up the mountain and Kristoff goes, all of Arendelle is frozen, literally the ding, roll the credits thing, like, came up in my mind, and I felt right. so dirty and terrible, <laughs> I hated it. Um, okay, so the first thing that I have written down um, is just the phrase, we're dudes and ice rules. I know. That whole scene is so pretty, and that song's dope. I love the rhythm of it. But the essence of that song is, man, ice is sure is cool, but yeah. it's also spooky. Remember that, kids. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. And it like doesn't really have much to do with the rest of the movie. No. Also, why is this... Ice. 
five-year-old kid here, and it's not like one of the guy's five-year-old kid. It's just a kid that's here. He has yeah. his own carts and his own reindeer. He's doing his whole separate thing, but <laughs> yeah. he's five and he's here. He's been put to work. It's the olden days. There were no yeah. child labor laws. Apparently. <laughs> it's it's so weird because there's that... At the beginning, you're like, oh, this is one of these guys' kids. But then when they all get on the wagon to go home and Kristoff doesn't get on the wagon, it's like, wait, who <laughs> like, the wait, hell is I, this I kid? I thought you were part of this. Hold on. Yeah, no, he's just also there. <laughs> I also, as of this recording, it's like halfway through March and there's yeah. still snow on the ground. I'm uh, so tired of it. Yeah, this movie just makes me angry. It's pro-cold propaganda. <laughs> I was watching it in our basement, which is freezing during the winter, and I was yeah. wearing like six blankets and watching this movie, <laughs> which made it, I feel like that was, I think the best way to watch Frozen is to watch it's it like when it's cold outside. It's like a 4D experience. Yeah, well, because like when Anna falls into a river and it's like, oh, I'm so cold. It's like, no, y'all, you're dying. <laughs> no, you're dead for sure. Yeah, they just like touch snow and they're like, oh, whatever, I touch snow. It's like, no, when you touch snow, your hand is, like, cold and doesn't work for a second. Like, <laughs> cold is bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next thing I have written down here is uh, that I love the parents' dialogue. I yeah. don't remember what it was, though. I mean, they just have... I don't think the mom literally has a line the whole movie. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about in that scene. Yeah, I don't know I, what's blown away I don't know it. what I'm talking about either. I liked it a lot, apparently. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, <laughs> uh, five, five-year-old Elsa and Anna are still really, really cute, though. They do mm-hmm. such a good job with, like, animating them and writing their dialogue and stuff. Like, they come off as little kids, which is surprisingly really hard to pull off, especially in right. animation, when they're not voiced by a little kid. I think they, uh-huh. they were, actually. It was, like, one of the animator's daughters or something. Right. Um, <laughs> the next thing that I've written down is that Elsa ruined the economy of Rivendell. <laughs> or not Rivendell, Arendelle. Rivendell. <laughs> because they're like, <laughs> Rivendell of a whole different kingdom. No, That's the because, crossover I want. Yeah, no, because they forget that she has powers, and the king's like, we'll lock all the doors and never let anyone in ever again. And it's like, well, that ruined the economy. <laughs> um, and... Sorry, just a second. Um, just what I have written down in my notes here is, she got hit in the head, so let's wipe her brain. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. It's like, it's, Elsa and Anna just have shitty parents. Like, that's yeah. the whole moral of this story. Because you've known about these troll guys who do stuff with magic, but you haven't thought of, like, hey, my daughter has ice powers till she fucked up. And then when she yeah. does fuck up, they, like, fix it really easily. Yeah, it's, like, not But a then problem. you never talk to them ever again? It's like, you guys are just bad parents. You didn't think this through. It's like, I don't know, it's like if your kid, like, fell down and scraped his knee, and you were yeah. just like, he's never going outside ever again. Yeah. They're locking the doors forever. Well, and it's like, it's like your kid has, like, a life-threatening illness, and you just, like, never take them to a doctor. I just realized that anti-vaxxers are a thing. Never mind. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a political statement. <laughs> Oopsie, boopsie. That's it. Elsa and Anna's parents are anti-vaxxers. Yeah, is the sure, metaphor sure. that I'm trying to make. Um, I'm just going to say, um, do you want to build a snowman is not a very good song. It's not a good song. 
But that whole montage that they do is super effective and a super well-constructed montage. Right, right, right. And, and that's true. Do You Want to Build a Snowman is not a good song, though. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why, like, for, it just seems to me, like, when this movie came out, Let It Go was huge. But, like, yeah. secondary to that, everybody was singing Do You Want to Build a Snowman all the time. Yeah. And, like, there are, like, three way better songs in this movie. Oh, and yeah. Do You Want to Build a Snowman is just so, like, grating to listen to. It's so annoying. And- they never bring it up again either. Like, there's a lot of really cool reprises in this movie. Right. And they just, like, don't touch Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Because it's <laughs> not the best song. Like, it makes sense when it's, song. like, a five-year-old singing it, but then she grows up and she's, like, 12, and she's, like, still singing it, and you're right. like, okay, pick a different song, child. <laughs> um, that said, at the end of the montage, just, I don't know, there's a lot of, like, little tiny character interactions that I really like in this movie. Um, yeah. That moment where she like gets up next to her on the stage, and they like push her, they like push her up on stage, and then when she gets up there, she kind of like scooches away from Elsa a little bit. Oh yeah, I thought it was like super like fun, and I mean not fun, it's sad, yeah. but like super a creative way to show that, and it was like a really realistic portrayal of like just people who aren't super comfortable <laughs> with each other. Yeah, I have like five things to talk about before okay. we get to that. Sure, sure, this is sure. going to be Beauty and the Beast all over again, because I got opinions. <laughs> uh, I hate how this movie that's very dependent on the p- politics of a kingdom like, totally ignores the politics of a kingdom, because you have the king and queen, and the king and queen die, and then, like, ten years later, <laughs> Elsa is crowned the queen, so right. who the heck has been running <laughs> the kingdom for the past the eight years? Yeah. But then Hans's whole thing is that he want to takes over the kingdom, but it's like, well, who's been running it this whole time? Right. Like, yeah. Wouldn't it have been better to do that before there was already a queen? Yeah. Why didn't he just come <laughs> earlier and be like, hey, you have a bunch of, I guess, governors in charge or something? The movie doesn't tell you. Be like, hey, I'm a, a prince and I'm going to be in charge. And they would be like, well, I guess we'll do it because this is frozen and we didn't work out the politics. <laughs> I think I like to think that when the parents died, all their like confidants and stuff like made a decree that was just like, we're going through some stuff right now. Just do you for a little while. Yeah, just be cool just, for, like, a second. <laughs> just be cool for, like, eight years. Yeah. And then, like, and then we'll just... have a queen. And then we'll go back and fix all the stuff that you did bad in those eight years. But for those eight years, just, like, be cool. Right. <laughs> and then also, I there's this really cool scene during, uh, for the first time in forever, which is actually a really lo- good song. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a scene too. where Elsa is singing and she's practicing doing the coronation stuff and she's in front of this picture of her father and even during in Do You Want to Build a Snowman there's all these scenes of her and her father interacting and that's such a cool relationship and I wish they would have developed it more past like the first five scenes like I don't know like tell me that the father felt trapped also in being the king like set up more dynamics between Elsa and the king Right. Because they set them up, but then they don't do anything with them, and then the whole movie just kind of forgets about it. Yeah, no, I mean, the parents are just kind of a prop. <clears throat> yeah. They just exist well, like, to die and make somebody sad. Well, they, the mom is absolutely just there to be fridged. Like, she yeah. do- doesn't have a line, and then she dies, whatever. But they actually do stuff with the king, which makes it so weird that they 
don't do anything with it later. It's like you already put in the effort to give the king a dialogue and make him an actual character. Why don't you do anything with it, kind of? Um, okay. Uh, one sec. I have do another you have thing anything for... before Love is an Open Door? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I love uh, For the First Time in Forever. And, like, trying to go into this movie kind of blind again... I realized that I think Anna is probably one of my favorite Disney princesses. Like, something about the way she talks and interacts with the world around her. Like, I just, like, right. totally love her. She's an awesome character. And I feel like she's a pretty modern princess. Yeah, but totally. the movie is so dead set on her being an idiot. Yeah. And it makes me so <laughs> mad. That's what it's I was like, just about to say. She's, like, 20% too quirky. Well, it's like she's super cool and I love her quirkiness and I think she's a really cool relatable character and then she like falls off a building or <laughs> decides to marry a man she just met and it's all just to make a meta joke right, and I'm yeah. like stop it stop ruining stop ruining Anna's character just so you can make a point like she's a cool character no she's clumsy and dumb just like we assume you are yeah and she likes to eat chocolate don't you like to eat chocolate <laughs> chocolate <laughs> So, I'm uh, trying to think. There was one other really good one of her doing something that's so, like, I'm not like other girls, but now I can't remember what it was now. I was thinking about that, too. I had that thought during watching the movie, and I didn't write it down. <laughs> so, it was I don't something. know. I guess anyway. the moral is that there is something like that in the movie. Neither of us remember what it is. Uh, <laughs> but it but was there. But also during uh, For First Time in Forever, the cloth physics on her skirt kept doing weird stuff that was yeah, weird sure, and sure. wrong. But the scene where she's, like, jumping around in the painting room and, like, lining herself up with, like, the classic paintings on her on the wall right. is such a cool scene and such a creative idea. Like, I just mm -hmm. love that. And that's a part of her, like, relatableness. It's like she's been isolated her life, and this is how she has fun. And I thought that was really cool to show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry, just uh, a second. I got, uh... I got a call on my phone from a number I didn't recognize, and I yeah. panicked for a second, thinking I was supposed to be in work right now. Yeah. But I just checked my schedule, and I don't, so we're cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, uh, what was the last thing you said? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> uh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Roll back the tape. Uh, something about... I literally don't remember. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, has Anna not been allowed outside of the castle for her whole entire life? Is that a part yeah, of it? Yeah, I guess that's the subtext to that. Well, because it's like, we're closing the doors, people aren't allowed in, so they don't know our daughter has ice powers. So it's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then Anna's like, I've never met another human being! And it's like, <laughs> right. well, are you not allowed outside? <laughs> and like... why are they just letting you waltz outside now if you haven't been allowed to do that for all of your life? Right. And I imagine, like, the idea is to have it feel like an old fairy tale. And yeah. the idea that it's, like, in all those old stories, it's always just, like, and she was trapped in the castle forever. And that's, like, kind of the way it just works. And But they wanted to do that, but they didn't want it to be as profoundly sad as that yeah. would be in reality. So <laughs> they, they just kind of ignore it, almost. But they still did a little bit. <laughs> this movie doesn't know what it wants to be, basically, and it's yeah. kind of not its fault, and it kind of is 100% <laughs> its fault. It's weird. 
You, you read all the notes. Say? Stop, stop, stopping talking because I don't okay. have anything until one of the open doors. you were going to say you. something. No, I all don't right. have anything to say. Okay. <clears throat> uh. Mm, oh, Anna and Hans are so cute. Like they have such awesome chemistry. Like the second they meet, they have this awesome chemistry going on. Right. And, no, totally. Which just makes the twist so much more stupid because Kristoff and Anna's chemistry is Kristoff repeatedly telling her that she's an idiot. Like. <laughs> Kristoff and Anna aren't good for each other until they weirdly fall in love at the end, which is just as stupid as Hans and Anna falling in love at the very beginning. Oh, wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. I, yeah. I kind of disagree with you. I really like, um, what's the name of the guy with the deer? That's Kristoff, right? That's Kristoff. Okay, yeah. I really like Anna and Kristoff's relationship because it's not like, I don't know, it's almost the, like, Oh, they're, they don't like each other and they're mean to each other at first until they fall in love. But it's not quite that because it feels a little more natural. It's yeah. like, I don't know, every time that he tells Anna she's a doofus, it's because she is doing something that's dumb. Well, like, it's, I don't know, maybe this is just a female perspective, but like, I don't know. Every time he was like, you married someone you just met, and she's like, yeah, this is a decision that I made, and I'm sticking by it. I want to be like, right. yeah, shut up, Kristoff. It's none well, of your business. Stop right. telling her she's an idiot. Well, and I don't know. I guess maybe what it is is the fact that she does react that way that makes it feel natural. If, like, he said that, and she just, like, got all embarrassed or, like, I don't know. The fact that she sticks up for herself is what I think makes it feel natural. <laughs> I don't think that makes it more... You're right, but I don't think that makes it more romantic. <laughs> but anyway, the point I was making is that the whole twist at the end is so stupid because Anna and Hans have such a good chemistry, and the way that Hans tells you his big evil plan is that he was like, I was going to seduce and marry Elsa, but then she didn't like me. Right. But that straight up doesn't happen because <laughs> right. we never see him meet Elsa and then Anna literally introduces him to Elsa. Mm-hmm. So, like, that whole thing that causes the plot twist never actually happened. Yeah, no, they give you absolutely no hints that anything is awry. And yeah, then which makes they... me feel like they weren't planning on it until they were like, oh, shit, we need a villain. Yeah. No, yeah, and so, like, when they pull the rug out from under you, they're just like, ha, gotcha, tricked ya. It's like... I mean, not really. You just no. You didn't set you anything just lied. up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, like what the be- people really made fun of Coco because they felt it was like that same kind of gotcha ending. But it's like no, Coco actually takes the time to set up a mystery. Right. And so when the mystery's solution is different than what you think it is, it's like whoa, I didn't think of it like that way. Right. In Frozen, they're just like we're not going to give you any information and then tell you that this good guy is a villain. It's like, well, that's <laughs> not you didn't earn that. You just right. like punched me, and we're like, haha, you fell for it. No, the uh... <laughs> just sucker punching somebody and be like, got yeah. <laughs> tricked you. <laughs> it's a prank, bro. <laughs> um, but no, I uh, and yeah, I do feel like Disney, not necessarily Pixar, like the Disney animation studios specifically, have yeah. gotten pretty reliant on the the twist villain the last few oh, movies absolutely. and i feel like we're ready to move on from that but okay i have a whole i have like a little manifesto about what's his name what's the twist bad guy's name hans hans um in the sense that i wish that he hadn't been a villain all along i wish that instead uh like when he like he could be this like great guy 
But yeah. then when she comes back and she's like, Elsa's dying and I'm dying too. And if you don't save us, there will be nothing left. And maybe in spite of the fact that he was in love with her, he could be seduced by the potential of this power and make a decision in that moment to do something evil rather than yeah. have it be an evil plot from the beginning, apparently. Well, there's just like 12 million things they could have done other than that stupid plot twist. Yeah. Like, have Anna run to him and be like, you're my true love, we have to have true love's kiss because this is what I think love is because I've never experienced it in my life. Right. And have it not work because she's conflicted because she likes Kristoff or maybe she doesn't actually love him or like any reason the kiss could not work but that would be an interesting plot point and I just Hans I don't know the way that they handled Hans was just so poorly done yeah and the fact that this movie people always say they did that twist because they needed a villain but like this movie already had Wesselton we already had a villain that was trying to kill Elsa and take over the kingdom Right. So why did we even need to set up another villain besides for just that dumb gotcha moment that nobody <laughs> right. wanted and nobody needed? And it's interesting that you bring up Coco as well, because I feel like Coco does still have a twist villain, technically. But yeah. the difference is that the twist of it comes, like, way earlier in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's what really sets it apart. Because when you have a twist in, like, literally the last 15 minutes, it's just like... You know, it's more like Gotti, and then you beat him, yeah. and then that's it. Well, and Ernesto <laughs> de la Cruz was also the villain before the twist. Right, exactly. It wasn't exactly. twist, he's the villain, it's he's the villain, and the twist was that uh, Hector is your grandpa. Like, there was a, it was like two separate things. Exactly, It wasn't yeah. twist, he's the villain, gotcha. And the same thing with Wreck-It Ralph as well. It's not that, like... The twist with King Candy isn't necessarily that he's the villain. Like, we know he's the bad guy already. Yeah. It's like that from... he's not who we thought he was. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The whole, the frozen twist just doesn't work. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucked up, and they know it. Oh, what's the next thing that I've written down? Uh, I really like that when uh, Elsa runs away, everyone's yeah. really confused, except for Anna, for some reason. For some reason, Anna's just like, it's okay, she's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Wh- why, how do you know that? You don't remember anything. Like, you know <laughs> you exactly know as much anybody. as... Yeah, you know exactly as much as everybody else who's freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> that shot of Elsa running across the lake is still super rad. Yeah, no, I have that written down, too. It's an incredible shot. Yeah, the only thing stupid about that scene is that... They could have just followed her across the lake. Yeah. They don't for well, some reason. <laughs> so I have two. These are almost Cinema Sins things, but I don't count them as Cinema Sins things because they literally took me out of the moment while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, the the first is when Elsa runs away, she just like runs to her ice zone in like yeah. a scene, and then the no, whole rest I... of the movie, Anna and what's her name are following her. It's like a multi day journey. No, I literally wrote down how the fuck did Elsa get there so fast? Because she's just, <laughs> yeah. like, there. She doesn't have teleport- teleportation magic. Teleportation magic. <laughs> but, and the other thing is, isn't Elsa, A, tremendously powerful, and B, literally the queen of this nation? <laughs> like, yeah. why? Well, yeah, Wesselton is, like, immediately, like, oh, go kill her, guards. And I'm, like, the whole time, I'm, like, you don't have any power here. What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> They're ignoring the politics again. It's like, if the, it's like, 
If the Queen of England was like, surprise, I've had magic powers this entire time, literally nothing would change. (laughs) She would still be the Queen of England. She would just be more powerful. (laughs) Yeah, you literally can't charge the Queen of England with a crime in, like, 50 (laughs) countries. Why why is Elsa any different? (laughs) Well, and yeah, it's just like, I don't know, presumably she's in charge of everything. I guess the subtext is that, like, she's worried that they won't accept her and they'll, like, revolt. Um, but hey, here's I, the thing. She's got I, tremendous ice powers still. Like, I don't think anybody can stop her. Yeah. Well, the, the her whole thing is that she doesn't want to hurt people. Right. So I guess her running away in the moment is like, I don't want to hurt anybody, so I got to get away right now. Right. But it, it's just the movie ignoring the politics again. Because... Yeah. Well, even at that scene where Hans bumps into Anna, and she's like, oh man, if you bumped into my sister, that would have been bad, but it's just me. It's like, you're still the princess of this country. You have political powers. Right. You... (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, Anna Anna is presumably still in charge, but she opts to just run out by herself rather than... Yeah, literally, when when Elsa leaves, Anna, like, takes control... But when she does that, the first thing that she does is put Hans in charge. What she does with her abilities as queen, since Elsa's gone, is putting somebody else in charge. Right. And then Hans, like, actually runs the country, so... <laughs> yeah, presumably. I think Hans like, should be in charge. he's gone, he, like, does a good job running the country. Yeah. He, like, <laughs> gives everybody free soup and free clothes because it's winter outside, and the real villain, Wesselton, is like, you're getting rid of all the trade goods. It's like Hans <laughs> is the hero of the story. Like, yeah, let's take a look at the actions in the brief time on the throne. Yeah. <laughs> Between Elsa and Hans. Elsa just, like, Bounced. deserts the kingdom and freezes everything and ruins the whole world, and then Hans swoops in and is just like, okay, let's see, let's fix this. Yeah, and Hans is like, holy fuck, Okay. <laughs> You know what? Maybe that would be a better ending, too. Maybe all the people are just like, no, we like Hans way better, and we're gonna, yeah, like, acknowledge his authority. You could still live here or whatever, but we want Hans (laughs) to be in charge. Yeah. Because no one has been in charge of this kingdom for, like, ten whole years. (laughs) Jeez. Okay, moving on. (laughs) We already talked about the animation in Let It Go, but the whole song of Let It Go, like, still gets me. Like, that's still a fantastic song. Um, uh, I have written down, Were You Raised in a Barn was a very good joke. Uh, Yeah. Remind me what the joke was. Well, because Kristoff and Anna are there going to the North Mountain, and she puts her feet up, and he's like, "What are you raised in a barn?" And she's like, "No, I was raised in a castle." And then they move on. Oh, I think I thought it was funny because presumably Kristoff was raised in a barn. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the fact that he's like, "We raised in a barn," is I thought that was very funny. It's like, no, you were Kristoff. <laughs> uh, I have some stuff before that. Uh, something really bugs me about Elsa's Ice Queen outfit. It's very sexy and very revealing and having this song that's about like personal empowerment and like having freedom for the first time and the first thing that she does is put on this super sexy outfit I feel like it's just not something that I want my little girl to see (laughs) like I I don't don't know know. 
It just like suddenly, I don't know. It was just a we- it was two weird things to put together. That's totally a thing throughout all media. Like uh what bugs me the, the most is in BioShock Infinite, the exact same thing happens where Elizabeth has this moment of like, "Oh, I'm in charge of my own life." And so she immediately cuts her hair and puts on this super sexy outfit. Like, I don't know. I don't right. like putting your physical appearance as a part of you like being yourself and being free for the first time. I don't know. Like I get it. I get having control over what you look like. It's the fact that whenever that happens, they immediately get super sexy is what rubs me the wrong way. Right. You know? I feel like in this it's a slightly more complicated thing because the yeah. character literally has complete control over themselves. Like, yeah, but there's... they're not real. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. You you could have decided to make her do something different. I guess yeah, what I'm I saying think... is, like, the political message, I think you have the right to criticize, but I also think, like, as a character moment, it makes sense and holds up, I yeah. guess, is no, what no, I'm no. trying to say. I'm not critiquing Elsa. I'm critiquing Disney and the people who made the movie. Right. I, I think my, literally my least favorite thing on the internet is where someone criticizes how a female character is designed. And everyone in a five-mile radius is like, well, she wore it. It's like, no, she didn't. She's <laughs> fake. A dude drew her in that outfit. Like, It's like when Jessica Rabbit is like, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. It's like, yeah, you were drawn that way by some gross, perverted man. <laughs> Someone throw me a soapbox. I'm going to launch it at John Lasseter's head. Um, I don't think John Lasseter was involved in this. No, he was the producer. His was name he? was in the credits, yeah. Um, uh, and then the next thing I have written down is just rest in peace, Anna, when she runs into the river. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> She's super dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, her whole dress freezes in, like, a matter of, like, two seconds. It's like, hey, Anna, <laughs> uh, you did. And that's totally a CinemaSins thing. I know. They literally said that in the CinemaSins video I watched. Well, but it's and I fact- crossed it out in my notes because they said it. But it's still, like... I think it's the fact that there's still snow outside for us that we're just, like, super close to it right now. Yeah, maybe. We're like, nah, Anna, you'd be dead. I have to walk through, like, eight feet of snow to get to my bus stop every day. Anna, you're dead. (laughs) And I don't know. It's, like, their whole... uh, This is not about the snow. This is about something that happens within that scene. Uh, yeah. The whole bit where they keep saying over and over again that whole, you just got engaged to a guy you just met? Is like yeah. so up its own ass with how like subversive it is. Like you thought you've been told that that's what happens in princess movies, but guess what? These characters are self-aware and they know that's not how people really act in the real world. Gotcha, Scotty. The, the, the stupidest part about that whole argument is that literally in no Disney princess movie has ev- anyone ever been married in one day. Is like they always they always show you them getting married but it's implied that time has passed. Like in Cinderella, yeah. she gets married, but it's implied that time has passed. Right. It's not literally the same day. And they always point to Snow White too, and there's literally not a wedding scene in Snow White. Like the <laughs> prince rescues Snow White and they ride off into the sunset, but it's not implied that they get married. It's just implied <laughs> right. that they're in love with each other. So it's such a stupid criticism that literally yeah. comes from nowhere. It's a criticism that Disney made up in order to make their own meta joke. And if that's not 
just, like, so stupid. Well, I feel like the criticism isn't specifically about marriage. It's more of the fact that you've, like, fallen in love with a guy and make a decision to, like, run away with him. Like but that's not what they say. Right. They but say is you're the, married that's still the attitude of what they say. I don't think it has to be precisely exactly the same scenario. I I mean, I don't know. It's enough of a phenomenon <laughs> that people got the joke when it happened. Isn't that true? I mean, it is a little bit true, but I don't think that's the point that the movie is trying to make. The fact that the movie is like you are marrying the guy that you just met. <laughs> okay. Well, because Anna does the same thing with Kristoff. She kisses him at the end of the movie. They right. go off into the sunset together at the end of the movie. So it's it's hypocrit- hypocritical. Do they kiss? When do they kiss? They oh, kiss like when afterwards. she gets him the new sled. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like during it's the It's implied that time like has passed, yeah. but because I'm a moviegoer with no brain, I'm going to assume right. it's the same day. Yeah. No, yeah, and I feel like Disney has been so, like, so focused on, like, subverting itself lately that it's just annoying. Like, well, they're trying to make fun of themselves instead of actually fixing the problems that they have. Right. Well, it's like, it's like in, in this movie, they're like, you married a guy you just met? And in Moana, they're just like, you talk to birds and you sing a song, so you're a princess. And I'm trying to think what else. I'm I'm Dwayne the Rock Johnson. (laughs) And all of Beauty and the Beast and the whole bit in Wreck-It Ralph 2 where they're like, oh, feminism. She is a princess. Yeah, it's like Disney just can't get out of its own ass about how how woke and self-aware it is now. And it's so dumb because they're not doing anything. They're just, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it just feels good that that's what people have been saying, and now Disney feels like they're saying it too, and people are like, "Haha, yeah." But I don't, don't think it should have gone on for this long. You don't get to say that, Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, why are wolves always the villain and everything? <laughs> like I get in like. Guys. Well, like I get it in like ancient fairy tales because if you're some nomad living by yourself in the middle of the forest, I'm pretty sure that wolves are the villain of your life. Right. But like in modern <laughs> times, why are wolves still the villain? We're trying to save wolves from extinction. Why are we still vilifying them? Um, and oh, the bit that they do where Sven and Kristoff like talk to each other, and it's like just Kristoff's voice, yeah. is a funny idea. And it would have worked if they had not shown Kristoff talking every time he's doing Sven's voice. Like, they should have played it more like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, where whenever you see the opposite person, you don't see, like, the person who's actually talking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because every time they do it, it's like, you just watch Kristoff saying it the entire time and there's one time where they cut back and forth between them and it works like a hundred times better yeah i guess i didn't really notice it oh really no i i feel like i had the thought i was like that him talking to sven is like cute at first but then it just gets weird (laughs) right exactly (laughs) that's why it feels weird because you are focusing on just him the whole time you just watch him do that whole thing yeah do if you like shift the camera between the two of them as if it's a dialogue scene then it adds like a sort of legitimacy to the phenomenon i guess yeah and it doesn't feel nearly as weird as just the one shot of looking at him pretend to be a reindeer (laughs) yeah there's a lot of shots in this movie, especially when Kristoff uh, is hanging over the edge, 
where they like do stuff with snow and the snow just like looks like moon sand. Yeah. Where they just have the texture just like a little bit off to the point where you're like, hey, moon sand. And I like I notice that whenever they're like walking, their footprints don't totally like match up with the snow 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem with animated snow is that if you do anything in snow, it's gonna leave a kind of mark. Right. And like especially with Elsa when she's going up the mountain and she doesn't have any footprints, it's just super weird. <laughs> right. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They... It's just the kind of stuff they probably would have been able to really pull off if they had the time. So what rubbed, what super rubbed me the wrong way about Frozen when it first came out is that all the animators could not stop patting themselves on the back for all of the engines that they made for this movie. They oh, wouldn't yeah. shut up about the engine that they made for Elsa's hair. And it's like, well, good job. Her <laughs> hair looks shitty. Yeah. And they was They're like... probably just overcompensating. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were like, oh, we generated five different things to make the snow as realistic as possible. And there's all these different kinds of ice in winter. And it's it like, okay, just, but it looks bad. It probably just feels a lot more impressive to them because they did it so fast. And they're like, fuck, yeah. this looks pretty good. <laughs> and we did it in like two weeks. And I'm super proud of myself. Yeah, we pulled this out of our ass and it looked pretty good. Everyone look at it. <laughs> um. Okay, so regarding Olaf... I appreciate what? that they set him up earlier, and I think that's... Yeah. I don't mind him existing as a character. No, He's not at all. I not really like Olaf. funny, though. Oh, I thought he... I love Olaf. Olaf is really? funny. I mean, he's not annoying, so that's Well, fine. it's like, oh, I've been impaled is hilarious. <laughs> right, no, yeah. That was a great joke. That joke and the joke where he goes, I don't have a skull. Yeah. <laughs> Those are both great. Those are very funny jokes. The rest of the time, I was just like... Because he's not annoying, I no. wasn't grating. It's just like every time they did some extended bit with him, I was just like, haha, okay, move on, please. <laughs> well, it's because Olaf literally has the mind of a five-year-old because he was made by Elsa and Anna when they were five. Right. So him kind of not being funny all the time, I feel like is very <laughs> in character. Right. And the fact that Olaf is constantly quoting things that Anna and Elsa said in that scene when they were younger, I think is an awesome touch and really sets up his character. Oh, is he? I don't know if I ever noticed that. Yeah. Well, because when they're going to see the trolls and he's like laying down on Sven's back and he goes, look, the sky is awake. And Anna said that same thing oh, to right. Elsa. that's right. No, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. They keep doing that throughout all of Olaf's stuff. And I think it's really cool and really establishes his character. That being said... When did Elsa make Olaf? Because he's kind of just, like, wandering around in the woods till he finds Anna and Kristoff. <laughs> right. And then when they get to the castle, Elsa's like, what the fuck is Olaf doing here? Which <laughs> right. tells me that she doesn't remember making him. So, <laughs> right. like, where the hell did Olaf come from? <laughs> he's just a universal constant. I you know guess? how they say that, like, if you <laughs> if you give a million monkeys typewriters, eventually they'll make the complete works they'll of Shakespeare. They'll make Olaf. <laughs> that's what that's what Olaf is like. If, if you, you put give enough a million snow clouds on the ground, a bunch of snow, eventually you'll make a sentient snowman. I guess. <laughs> Just to sheer force of will. I mean, it's happened so many times. Frosty the Snowman, Olaf. Exactly. Uh, the snowman from the Thor movie called the Snowman. That was just a guy. He wasn't a real snowman, but continue. Are you Keep sure? Listening. Yes, I'm very sure. Keep listening, snowman. Oh, uh, there's the Jack Frost movie where the dad gets turned into a snowman. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. One more. Um, Frosty the Snowman returns. <laughs> Stop motion, Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Christmas in July, where Rudolph and Frosty go to rescue a uh, baby New Year. <laughs> 
Wait, that wasn't Christmas in July. Why would it be Baby New Year if it was Christmas Those in July? Those might have been two separate movies that I I'm combined, pretty sure they but were, they're both yeah. terrible, and I never saw either of them. <laughs> Um, And I just wanted to point out a couple of really cool ice gags in the movie, like the whole bit where there's all the weeping willow trees that have like little frozen droplets of ice on them, and the bit near the end where, I guess that's not near the end, I guess that's pretty close to that, is where like it's super windy outside and there's a whole bunch of like sideways icicles. Yeah, yeah, that's when the impaled joke is. Yeah, because they've like presumably been blown by the wind. I thought, I don't know, that's super fun and creative and I really like the way they play with the ice a little bit in this movie. That being said, there's absolutely nothing in Elsa's ice palace. What is she doing for, like, the week that it takes them to get to her? She's She's just hanging out. Shut up, Jackson. (laughs) What? Stop making ice puns. (laughs) That wasn't what I meant to do. Like, on hand to God, I wasn't trying to do that. Um, But um, But she's just, like, walking around in a circle. Later when we see her, she is just walking around in a circle going, Control your emotions! (laughs) So she might have just been doing that for like two days. Right. Um, the uh, I really like the emotional exchange between Anna and Elsa in the castle. Oh, absolutely. Like it would have been so easy for her to get up there and for Elsa to just be mad or like like I don't know, just something dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but they like gave it a really nuanced perspective that makes Elsa feel like a real character. Like the fact mm-hmm. that she's like you know, I don't blame you, Anna, and I'm I'm cool out here. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's, like, a really interesting thing for that character to say. And it's, I don't know, it felt like it, it just feels a, a little bit more out of the box than a lot of other things they could have written for that exchange. Yeah. They do, in that scene, I love that scene. That You have such a great relationship between Elsa and Anna and their conflicting emotions. But they do this thing that I hate in movies where they do a flashback to a thing that happened in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, Anna's like, we could be friends and fix everything. And Elsa's like, yeah, haha, sure. And then she has this flashback moment of her hitting her as a kid. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, we were there. We've been watching the movie. We We know what the whole thing is. I still think it's so dumb that, like, she just got hit in the head and fell down. Yeah. Like, I know we're way past that. It's still just very funny to me. Well, but the troll guy doesn't even fix it. (laughs) He just, like, makes her forget about it. It's like if you broke your leg and you went to the doctor and the doctor just gave you some pills so that you forgot that you broke your leg. (laughs) Yeah, the doctor just roofies you. Yeah, and then that fixes it, though. (laughs) And then that's the solution. You're like, man, why does my leg hurt so much? Everyone's like, hmm, I don't know. Guess we'll yeah. never know. Just don't think yeah. about it anymore. Yeah. Never talk to your sister ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay. I, the reprise to the first time in forever is so good. The oh, animation no. that scene is, that is super good. Is what you're going to say about it? Oh, do you not like that? No. That's like my favorite song in the whole movie. Really? I just think yeah. it's really awkward the way they go back and forth. I think... Like, oh, I, that's what I love about it. <laughs> really? I don't know. I just don't think it meshes. And then there's that line where she's like, Arendelle's in deep, 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 super deep, deep <laughs> snow. And you're like, okay, Well, come but on, she guys. doesn't want to bring it up and on as a dope. It's in character. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just, I don't know. I just, I thought it was awkward the way they tried to play it off like a duet, and I think it would have worked better if they had just, like, played it a little straighter, I guess. I mean, yeah. I really like that song, though. So shut up. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> I love that scene where they escape from Marshmallow. 
And then, first of all, Kristoff falls in the snow and doesn't leave any traces of him falling in the snow. <laughs> right, right, so right. that we can have that joke about Olaf not feeling his legs. But whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then he's like, I'm going to take you to my love expert friends because I've seen them heal people before. And it's like, Kristoff, you dumb sack of shit. <laughs> You've seen them do this before. And in that scene, I think the king mentions like 12 times that he's the king of Arendelle. Right. And the little girl that they save has red pigtails. Right. Like, Kristoff, how can you not know <laughs> that this is the exact same person from before? Well, and it's just like the the whole beat where they walk up and they're all rocks. And Kristoff is like, hey guys, how's it going? What's up with you guys? And they're like, oh no, he's crazy. Um, does it work? Because we've seen the fucking the trolls. trolls before. Yeah. We know what the trolls are and how they do. Like, who, who is this for? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I feel it's for all the five-year-olds who have already forgotten the beginning of the yeah, movie. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and like, that being said, I feel like that whole song where the trolls are pushing Anna and Kristoff together should be a joke about the movie pushing Anna and Kristoff together, but I know it's not. They didn't make the correct meta joke, basically. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just like... It doesn't feel like it's in the right place in the movie. No. Like, I I think that song has a right to exist. I think it's funny. And I think yeah. it works on its own. I think when you put it in the context of Anna's gonna die in a sec, yeah. it makes it just really painful and awkward and, like, wait, this shouldn't be here. Yeah, especially when the thing that's gonna save her is true love, and then you're awkwardly pushing these two people together. It's like pouring lemon into a wound. It's like, <laughs> right. we she's already gotta find true love, and now you're shoving Kristoff onto her. It's like, just don't. And I, what I have written down is... You should fuck our son. Oh shit, you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> that is that whole scene, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, I wrote down head slash heart thing is weird. And just remind me specifically how that goes down. Well, because when Anna gets hit in the head, Grandpappy Troll Man is all like, Ha ha ha, I'm basically Gandalf. If you get the head can be persuaded, but the heart is a little bit more tricky. And he says it again when she's right. uh, literally dying. Uh, that's but so dumb. that's that's just the whole thing. It's like, oh, love, am I right, people? What if what if instead Anna got hit in the heart the first time, and the thing that saves and her is her love of no. <laughs> <laughs> That would be such a fucking mean thing to say about this movie. Um, <laughs> no, what I was going to say is, what if she got hit in the heart the first time, and the thing that saves her back then is that her parents' her parents' love for her. That way it would have yeah. set up earlier that familial love still counts. And or maybe also, even if it's Elsa solving it back then. Yeah, then maybe. You would have, that would be a better twist than... <laughs> Fucking fuck all of you. Anna loves herself. <laughs> and the, like, and maybe if I forgot the second half of what I was gonna say. Of okay, my we're not maybe quite there. Section. We're not quite there yet, and I'm ready to go off. So I'm gonna push through really quick. <laughs> right. Uh, I know we're on the same side as Elsa throughout this whole movie, 
But when the guards come to, like, get her or find Anna or whatever they're trying to do in that scene, and she's just, like, these giant, like, javelins of ice keep propelling towards people. Right. It's like, Elsa, you are going to stab <laughs> this man through the head with an icicle. <laughs> I know you're the hero or whatever, but girl, come on. <laughs> That's freaking brutal. Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, does this movie really need the secret ice queen aspect? Uh, or I, what I should say is, do we really need for Anna to not know she's an ice queen? To not know that Elsa's an ice queen? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's that's just another part of the bad parenting aspect of this movie. <laughs> right. Is like, that, like, we can't have the kingdom? So, okay, 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 okay. This movie establishes stuff with, like, the book and the ice trolls. And even in that book that he pulls out to find the ice trolls, it has this picture of a guy getting ice taken out of his head. It's like, okay, so we've established that magic is a thing in this world, because even Wesselton is like, she has ice powers like we've seen before. We know what this is. But, like, Elsa's the only person we know who has it. This is an established thing in the world. Was there, like, an ancient ice queen who this happened to, but she, like, destroyed everything? Like, I want more context to her ice powers. Because right. you t- you tell me that there is context, <laughs> but you won't give me the context. Yeah. What I was just going to say was that, like, the... I feel like the plot would have shaken out pretty much exactly the same way if Anna knew that she had ice powers, but it was a secret. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she would still totally feel blocked out by her sister, even if she knew the reason yeah. why. It would still hurt. It's yeah. just like a weird, like, awkward wrinkle that doesn't really need to be there. Um, yeah. The next two things I have written down are, uh, this is just the third Pokemon movie. Uh, <laughs> and oh, with, then, uh... <laughs> with Entei, yeah. Yeah, my favorite, my father, Entei. <laughs> um, but then the next thing I have written down is actually it's The Shining. What what also, part of it? Yes. What part of it is like The Shining? I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, ice is snowy. Oh, that's right. Okay, I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that was not a funny joke. I just I I assumed that when I wrote it down, it was a funny joke, and you would provide the context <laughs> to make it funny. But actually, it just wasn't a very funny joke, and I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, there's so much reliance on this movie on romance for a movie whose whole thing is that it isn't about romance. Exactly, yeah. Now, that's what uh, I mean I when get... I say it's not as subversive as it thinks it is. Like, yeah. it wants to be like, oh, anti-romance, Whatever. patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. But it yeah. is, like, is just this as is much a, a part movie. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so stupid. <laughs> I think I <laughs> watching this movie God, as a clean slate. No, really though. It's like watching this movie as a clean slate. It's that I was really enjoying the movie and enjoying the characters and like like really liking the movie until you got to the part where Anna gets her heart frozen. And then it right. just gets so stupid. It's like all the stuff with Hans, all the stuff with an act of true love, all the stuff that they set up for all their stupid gotcha moments. Like, it's just so dumb. Yeah. And it's I, like, I don't I know. Had this written, I had this written down super earlier, but I thought I should bring it up really quick. It's that this movie has a beautiful, like, design aspect to it. Like, this movie's really, really pretty, even when the animation kind of falls short. Like, the design and, like, the aesthetic of it is really, really pretty. Right. And so, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel very similarly about this movie as I do about Captain Marvel, which I just saw a little while ago. 
in yeah. the sense that it has something it wants to say. And it does say it just totally like it's just not related to the rest of the movie at all. Yeah. <laughs> and they it's not like something... the thing you want to say is a bad thing. I totally agree with yeah. this thing you have to say. You just didn't do the work to say it well. Yeah, they have something that they want to say, but they just don't know how to say it. And so when they do, you're like, yeah, but no. <laughs> and it's because the way the reason I compare it to Captain Marvel is I know you haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, but like, yeah, there's the moment in it. You know, like the moment from the trailer where it's like her getting up over and over again throughout her whole life. Just and the about, coolest thing in the context yeah. of that trailer. And it's so it's all about like perseverance and how women are always being put down and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm excited for this movie because I saw that. But in the movie, that's not like a theme of it, really. Like that's not what the movie's about. And there's mm-hmm. this awkward moment in one of the fight scenes where she like gets punched and has to stand back up, and she thinks about all the times that she had to stand back up over her life. And it's like it doesn't this doesn't feel good or mean anything because you haven't set it up. And I feel like yeah, Elsa or Elsa being like, "I love you, Anna. It's my love that'll break the curse." Is the same thing as that. Like you it's haven't el- done the other way work. around, but you're right. Uh. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. Because they, they switch it around <laughs> right at the end. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, still, though, like, they haven't done the work to make that mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't feel satisfying because we, like, that's not, like, a theme of the movie necessarily before that. It's so much more concerned with the romance than yeah. it is with the actual sisterly love aspect. I have this written down earlier by saying, well, Kristoff and Elsa should get together because they have a lot of chemistry. Uh, ice and being mean to Anna. <laughs> so, so <laughs> because, okay, Elsa and Anna love each other, and that's why Elsa is mean to Anna, is because she's trying to protect her from herself. But the problem with that is that when Anna loves Elsa unconditionally, and Elsa kind of doesn't love Anna unconditionally, because <laughs> right. she gets mad at her and hits her and then leaves. <laughs> so at the end, when it's like, oh, Anna sacrifice- sacrificed herself for Elsa, it's like, cute, but unless Elsa changes her whole shit at the end of this movie, which right. she does, but if she didn't, it'd be like, okay, this is just an abusive relationship. <laughs> So, and to her credit, Elsa does realize, okay, I don't need to be afraid and I don't need to be so rude to you. But, like, just in the context of that scene, it feels a little bit, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. The, the relationship and, is weird. Right, and well, that's the thing, is that they play Anna so dopey that, like, it almost, it does kind of feel like everyone's just, like, very mean to her the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and they do, I don't know, I think they do a good job of playing it off as funny, but it's yeah. just one of those things that when you start to really think about it, you're just like, yeah. <laughs> everybody's mean to Anna. Yeah, everybody's I love mean Anna. To Anna. Well, okay. So what also makes me mad about the end of this movie is that is Olaf putting himself in danger for Anna, not true love? Is Kristoff coming back in general not an act of true love? It's right. like in the context of that scene, you have so many people doing good things for Anna because they love her, but... The movie just decides that those aren't good enough because we want a gotcha <laughs> right. moment. Yeah, exactly, because we want to make you feel that, like we have something to say. Yeah, it's the fact that Anna loves it. It's Anna's love that saves the day. But it's like, I don't know. You've been mean to Anna this whole movie, <laughs> and people are finally trying to be nice to her, and then you're just going to be like, well, because Anna loves them, it's okay. Right. It's, <laughs> Anna deserved better. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, oh, and I also just want to point out the gag at the end where all the snowflakes are frozen in the air. It's good stuff. It's super. Oh, that whole scene on the fjord is just gorgeous. Like that scene where Kristoff is running on Sven and the boat starts to fall over and they're like rushing through the boat is right. super cool. And it's ruined by the fact that Sven falls in the lake literally directly after that. It's <laughs> That's okay, Sven falling into the water. Just like totally <laughs> It's just this movie it totally made me feel it's like this movie doesn't actually care about what it's doing. It just wants to be emotionally manipulative. Yeah, no totally. It's like you can be, quote-unquote, emotionally manipulative while you're trying to tell a story. I'm going to use Coco again. Like, in Coco, the ending is heartbreaking because um, Mama Coco is forgetting Mama Hector Mia. and it's heartbroken. And it's not... But they're not setting up this fake situation to make you cry and then get it over with. It's like, no, we've been building this moment the whole movie and this is important and it's sad because it's important. It's not just, oh, we're going to make you cry and then we're going to move on, whatever. Like, Frozen doesn't care about what it's doing. It just wants to get you. Right. And the, I mean, yeah, it pretty. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like, sorry, remind me what happens with Sven. If, do they, like, try to make you think that he fell in the water and drowned, yeah. but then he's fine? No, so they come right out of the boat and then they're running across the lake and part of the ice breaks and, like, Kristoff jumps off of Sven and Sven falls in the water and there's just literally like half a millisecond where Kristoff is like, no, Sven, as he falls in the water. And then there's a shot of the water for literally two seconds. And then Sven gets out and Kristoff's like, hey, all right, cool. See you later, bud. It's <laughs> I so literally, stupid. Literally, I don't remember that at all. So you just, It's because it's stupid. <laughs> so Kristoff like <laughs> jumps off of Sven's back to safety like Mario and Yoshi. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not exactly. I think Sven maybe tosses Kristoff. Anyway, Kristoff falls off of Sven right, okay, and Sven yeah. falls in the water. <laughs> but still, it's just like the epitome of like manipulating your audience to get a right. reaction. It's like, this doesn't mean anything. You didn't set this up. This is just a thing that's happening for no yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, you could do that with anybody at any time. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Oh, like, no, Kristoff them... <laughs> fell in the water, but he's fine. Moving yeah, on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the snow. Kristoff, he sunk. Where he no. go? Oh, found him. Where go? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that scene, the shot where Anna, where Kristoff and Anna are running towards each other, and then Anna looks at Elsa and she makes a decision to run to Elsa is a gorgeous shot, and I think that's a super cool scene. I don't really remember that either, to be honest. Okay, I think you just forgot the ending yeah, of the movie. Did I, like, not finish the movie? Why don't I remember that? <laughs> anyway, that's super cool. I'm and, picturing uh, in my head it's, like, one of those scenes where two people are, like, running through a field of flowers towards each other, except instead Anna, like, looks to her side and sees Elsa and runs to her instead. Is that what it's like? No, that's what... Yeah, that's what the scene is. It's really okay. good, though. That was my point, okay. is that it's a cool <laughs> scene. Hold on, I'm, I'm booting up iTunes right now. I'm going to watch it right now. Okay, can you do that later? <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, we have to know. This is... We have to give it a fair shake. Okay, never mind. It's not loading the way I want it to. I yeah, don't have any more notes. Yeah, this is going to take so long. Okay, I got... Don't worry. Uh, another shot that I think is beautiful. This whole ending scene, even though it's stupid and built on nothing, is really, really pretty. <laughs> uh, like, the shot of Elsa crying on Frozen Anna is, like, really, really powerful. Oh, and right, really yeah. Pretty. It's really Like, it looks like a statue. It's really, really cool. Um, I think by... <laughs> 
least favorite part of this ending. It's like, okay, it's Anna's love that saved Elsa. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But then Elsa's like, you sacrificed yourself to save me? And Olaf's like, oh, an act of true love? It's like, just in case you didn't get it, we're going to spell it out for you because you're an idiot. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, okay, no, I have cool. written down in my notes, of course, love. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally, I think three different people in a span of like 10 seconds are like, an act of true love. And it's like, <laughs> okay, okay, guys. This is already stupid. You don't have to explain it to right. me. <laughs> and then there's a scene where Elsa melts everything because she learned the meaning of true love, but they're in the middle of the fjord. <laughs> right. Well, and, <laughs> and yeah, so that's the thing. Is like her figuring out how to control her powers and thaw everything out is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Yeah, no. It's just like, oh, you saved... Me, I'll fix it. There's absolutely nothing now. to it. There's absolutely yeah. nothing to it. There's no reason for her to have done that. And it makes me so upset. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, I, she could have figured that out before. To get, uh, it's so stupid. I get... <laughs> well, because during Let It Go, Elsa is happy in who she is and confident. Right. I feel like that's when she should learn how to control her powers and she figures out how to melt stuff. Like, I don't know. Right, yeah. I What's the difference like, between her being happy and confident earlier and her being happy yeah, and confident now? This movie is like the opposite of self-love. It's like someone else has to love you. It doesn't <laughs> right. have to be a guy, but someone else has to love you. Right. <laughs> what, what I have written down is, thank God there's a boat under us. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there wasn't before. Uh, <laughs> no, um... Yeah, I don't know. And they just try to play it off like, oh, I have the power of true love. Like, it's fucking Harry Potter. And yeah. she's like, now that I know... <laughs> you think this is fucking Harry Potter, Frozen? <laughs> Harry like... Potter's been stupid for years. You don't get to pull this now. Oh, my God. I don't know why. For some reason, that, like, just irritates me so badly. Like, just that she's just like, I'm going to fix it now with my powers yeah. I've had this whole time. Like, yeah. it's nothing. It's nothing. Well, she doesn't Jesus. She doesn't learn anything. Yeah. And she, like, kind of does. She learns that she doesn't need to hide herself away, which is great, and I think that's a great lesson. But there's no follow-through. It doesn't she make you... She just kind of fixes everything, it yeah. It shouldn't make you not be evil anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not so be I... evil. You know what I mean. Yeah, I want to fix what I said before, because I feel like I don't super agree with it. When I was talking about Anna... Si Love, saving Elsa by loving her was kind of abusive. I don't want to characterize Elsa as abusive because she's very obviously a victim of abuse within the context of the story. But mm, I guess I needed more of Elsa being nice to Anna because we do have those scenes where Elsa and Anna are laughing together and having fun. But I think it's literally one scene, and then the rest of the movie, she's mean to her. I, right. I, the whole crux of this movie is about love and true love, and everyone is mean to Anna. <laughs> and it just makes me so mad, because I love Anna, and I want everyone else to. It's like, Kristoff, stop calling Anna an idiot. Elsa, stop freezing Elsa, or stop freezing Anna all the time. Like, I don't know. I feel like I needed, like, two more scenes where Anna and Elsa had chemistry other than when they were five. Right. And then I would believe it all so much more. But because we don't get that, when mm -hmm. it's just like, well, I love you no matter what. It's like, that's great, Anna, and you should, because that's the nice thing to do. 
but it just feels bad that no one else reciprocates that for Anna, you know? Right, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This overall, this movie is beautiful. It's got fun characters. It's got a great aesthetic. And it all falls apart at the end when they realize they didn't know what to do with this story. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to point out, I'm like paused in a, free fra- a freeze frame of this movie. <gasps> a freeze frame? Shut um, nope. I'm paused at the end of this movie, like when they're all ice skating at the end. And I'm just yeah. looking at it and looking at all the people in the background, and they look so oh, fucking bad. They- <laughs> <laughs> they're all the same person? <laughs> they- well, let me take a look. Um, no, they're not all the same person. They are all, they do look like they're in Wind Waker, though. (laughs) (laughs) And not the good version of Wind Waker. Right, no, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Actually, some of them are the same person, for sure. Yeah, no. All of the, like, skinny girls in the same exact dress are all the same exact person. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. This is hilarious. At least it's not as bad as Space Jam. That's true. Okay. Oh, so oh, unrelated, super unrelated. We were watching uh, the Hunchback Notre, the Hunchback of Notre Dame with my friends, and this was like just when like 3D animation was becoming a thing. There are so many shots in that movie where it's a it's a 2D animated movie, but there are so many shots where like the crowd are like these terrible like 3D models of like square people. Oh, it's really? Crazy and super weird. Like a Beverly Hillbillies music video. Yeah, literally, it's so freaking weird. It's like they didn't want to draw all the people in the background, so they just made these, like, really shitty, like, two-dimensional, like, 3D crowds, and it's so weird. I'm going to Google it and see if I can find it and show it to you on the Discord. This won't okay. be good for our listeners, but if you watch <laughs> The Hunchback of Notre Dame, it's buck wild. Are you still there? I'm still there. Sorry, I'm just okay, thinking cool. about the fact that I just said Beverly Hillbillies, and I don't know why. I was trying to say Money for Nothing by The Dire Straits. Okay, cool. <laughs> a famous a famous music video with blocky cube people. I don't know why yeah. Beverly Hillbillies is in my head. Is there some connection between that? I don't know. Okay, so I'm sending okay. you this picture. And all the people in this crowd, uh, they look terrible, but they look like terrible 2D drawings. Just know that these are 3D animated figures. They're, like, jumping up and down and waving their arms. <laughs> okay. They're freaking terrifying. Hold on one second. You'll remember to do editing here. <laughs> So, yeah, look at all of these people and know that they are terrifying 3D animated people. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. they just kind of... Oh, I can kind of see it looking at the guy with the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they, like, jump up and down and wave their arms, and it's super weird. <laughs> and it's not distracting really until you look at it, and then it ruins the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy, because The Hunchback of Notre Dame has some of the most, like, beautiful animation in right. it, especially with Quasimodo. And the crowds are just hideous and kind of terrifying. It's still, it's not Space Jam. It could have been Space it's not. Jam. <laughs> just remember, Frozen isn't Space Jam. <laughs> so yeah, after shitting on Frozen for an hour, I'm happy to say that I am very excited about Frozen 2. Yeah. Because I know that they'll be able to put all their effort into one idea and one concept. Instead of the train wreck. Like a script that they wrote and then produced. Yeah, and not the train wreck that we had to go through with Frozen, the first one. 
And the fact that they're, like, going in, like, an action movie angle, like, I'm super excited about right. it now that I'm not 13 and don't hate everything. <laughs> right. Like, I'm super excited about it. See, so we have to do Frozen 2 on this podcast because we've talked about yeah. it way too much to not to. Um, yeah. And I want to do Ralph Breaks the Internet on the podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, once we can't do more Disney movies. Well, but I like them. <laughs> yeah, we've done way too many. we got to take a break for a second. Okay, that's fine. I get it. You've done a disproportionate <laughs> amount of Disney Studios oh, Jackson, animated movies. We should do we should do the first Harry Potter movie because you hate it so much. Oh, fuck, I don't. That movie's so boring. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it would be fine because I have a lot of things to say about Harry Potter in general. I could I could fill the time with that. I guess. Yeah, you could have opinions for once. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Jackson, in this recording, you went, stop talking, don't stop talking, because I don't have anything written down. <laughs> I just said, between, you clearly have things written down, like, before <laughs> the time when I have things written down again. <laughs> the next thing I had written down was further in the movie, and I knew you had many things. I didn't want okay. you to just, like, sit there waiting for me to say something, because I knew that you had more stuff. I was okay. being courteous. So you can okay. go... You can suck a calipilla dick. <laughs> Call back. Full circle. Uh, do you want to talk about your secondary thing? Or no. do you have something else to say about Frozen? No. Which to know? <laughs> I was trying to make that into a joke, but it wasn't a good one. Um, sure, I'll just okay. talk about my secondary thing. I want to talk about... Um, do it. The... Most recent, not the most recent. I guess it is the most recent. Donnie hey, Cates. Jackson, you're really fucking this up. <laughs> Sorry, you know what? Clean slate. <laughs> Jackson, uh, delete this whole podcast. <laughs> just, just start We're here. We're starting over, and we'll move on. Um, <clears throat> for a second, for a second, I thought you were calling me, Jackson, <laughs> no. and I was like, "Wow, what kind of brain fart?" <laughs> no, I, was, I was making a message to myself in the future while I'm editing. Yeah, no, I got it. I figured it out. <laughs> I want to talk today about the Thanos wins storyline in Marvel Comics that came out. Um, I guess it started about eight months ago and wrapped up about five months ago. Um, this is a story written by Donny Cates, who is my favorite Marvel writer at the moment. He sort of got his start at Marvel when he started writing Doctor Strange a little while ago. That's where he introduced the storyline of Loki, like, taking over and becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Strange is just like, what the fuck? How did you do that? And Loki's like, I don't know, <laughs> figure it out. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> I guess I will. <laughs> um, and that was Write a comic good. book about it. Um, and that, that was sort of his big break. Um, and as of right this instant, he's writing um, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Venom, which are both incredible. Um, his Thanos story that I'm going to talk about has sort of spun into his Guardians of the Galaxy. It's kind of a continuation of the same ideas. Um, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> right. But the story is about um, Thanos in the modern day um, being pulled forward into the very end of the universe where Thanos has fully and utterly succeeded and he is the last person alive in the entire universe. Um, and Thanos, the old Thanos from the future, 
basically says, like, there are, like, three guys that I need to kill still that are hugely powerful celestial beings, and I need some more force, and I don't trust anybody because my goal is to have everybody be dead, so I'm just going to call myself from the past <laughs> to, like, get some extra okay. juice. Okay. Um, Wait, why does Thanos want everybody dead? Just because he's Thanos? Yeah, just because he's Thanos. I mean, he, they, okay, cool. they play it uh, like he's still courting death in this particular story. Okay. Um, the stupid thing that I thought we were done with. <laughs> right. No, it's... Hey, 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 hey. It's, it's good. It's good in the context of yes. this comic. Um, but uh, the one of the coolest things about it is the introduction of this character, uh, which is the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you heard about it already? Well, I just like Ghost Rider. <laughs> okay, yeah. So here's here's the story. Uh, in in the future, Frank Castle is the Punisher, and he's doing his thing. Thanos comes to Earth and wipes out the entire world. While Frank Castle is dying, uh, he makes a deal with the devil to become the new Ghost Rider so that he can destroy Thanos, because he hates him so much, because he's got that sense of righteous fury, the Punisher does. Yeah. Or he, whatever. He becomes the ghost writer. Or whatever writer. the Punisher's doing. <laughs> yeah. He becomes the ghost writer of this barren and desolate Earth. Then, like a hundred years later, when Galactus comes to eat the planet, uh, he strikes a deal with Galactus and becomes <laughs> the Herald of Galactus also. God. So, um... There's this, it basically, it's just this wild alternate version of the Punisher where he just rides around on a space motorcycle with a flaming head, and it's the coolest shit in the world. Um, and, like, they do all this really interesting stuff with, like, it's very, like, big and heavy yeah. and dramatic, but they play Frank Castle as being, like, unhinged and crazy, and he brings his own sort of sense of humor to it, like in opposition yeah. to the, like, super heavy, super sad tone of the story that works really well. Um, and it's just, it's a wild story. Uh, and then it spun off into a Cosmic Ghost Rider series of its own that he wrote for a little bit, just a little five-issue series that was really fun as well, where uh, after the events of Thanos wins, he goes back in time and tries to kill Thanos as a baby, um, but then decides <laughs> he doesn't want to do that. Uh, so it's Why just a story about... Why are people always about... going back in time to trying to kill babies? Because no one wants to kill a baby. And right. I was like, I'm going to go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby. It's like, no, you're not, because you can't bring yourself to murder a baby. Like, <laughs> no, give yeah. the dad a condom or shoot the dad. Like, do anything <laughs> other than kill the baby, because you're not going to do it. But that's the thing about this, is that it's like crazy flaming skull punisher carrying around baby Thanos trying to raise him <laughs> as his own to make him a good person. Hell yes. And it's so good. It's like, it's one of those comic books that when it came out immediately became super popular and it was like too late and I couldn't get my hands on it. Um, yeah. But you can read it online if you have a Marvel Unlimited subscription or if you want to buy the like paperback collection. Um, and it's just, it's wildly good. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of what I have to say. If you really have to, there's a super sketchy website that exists online. <laughs> there's called... always a super sketchy yeah, website. Yeah, but for comic books, there's, like, a big one. It's called, like, Read Comics Online or something. And it's got, like, a huge database of comics and, like, a really easy-to-use uh, UI, actually. It's, like, a surprisingly well-put-together website, except for the fact that there's porn advertisements, like, all over it. 
<laughs> because I've stopped trying to do anything on sketchy websites because that's how we got so much malware on the downstairs <laughs> right. computer. No, yeah, it's because totally. I just like don't know how to navigate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, as far of all the websites providing pseudo legal services on the internet have gone, this one's like definitely the nicest one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a really incredible story, and I'd recommend it to anyone who really liked Infinity War or anybody who just really likes good comic books about Thanos just destroying everything in the universe and succeeding at it. What does Thanos look like as a baby? Is it uh, weird? Hilarious. Here, okay, me, great. That's second. what I wanted. Uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider baby uh. Thanos. There's actually there's one very exploitable image in this picture I'm gonna show you, so I think I think I honestly will put it in the thumbnail. <laughs> Great. Just that one in the uh, bottom right there. Yeah, no, I I see. <laughs> why why is he like that? And why is he literally chained to Ghost Rider? Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't trust him, he's Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Yucky, tell me more about murder. <laughs> exactly, it's so good. <laughs> and that's what's so cool about it, is that it, like, it sort of is, like, this way, it's this Thanos series, and then sort of the continuation of the story, it stops being Thanos, and it starts being Cosmic Ghost Rider as a series. Um, yeah. And then from there, it turns from Cosmic Ghost Rider into Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and it changes tone three times when it makes that transition, but it does so so smoothly and cleanly that it doesn't even feel like it. It all, like, fits together really well, even though the start of it is, like, end-of-the-universe super rough dark shit, and the first issue yeah. of Cosmic Ghost Rider is Baby Thanos saying things like, yucky, tell me more about murder. Yeah. <laughs> it all, like, feels like it fits together as a coherent story. It's just, it's so good. Yeah. What about you, Adeline? What do you have to talk about today? I already know, so, but tell the audience. Yeah. So, hello, audience. Uh, <laughs> so recently, uh, me and my friends were playing video games, and my friend Mason had never played Bloodborne before. So he started a new game of Bloodborne, and I didn't tell him jack shit about Bloodborne, and he was getting very <laughs> mad at it. <laughs> so, t so today I'm going to talk about Bloodborne. <laughs> So, Bloodborne, for people who don't know, is a video game made by the pe same people who made Dark Souls. And if you don't know what Dark Souls is, it's this video game that's just, like, famous for being incredibly hard. Which I think is a little bit earned and a kind and a little bit not earned, but I'll get into that in a second. So, Bloodborne is the same kind of gameplay as Dark Souls, where you go around and you fight monsters or ghoulies or whatever. And when you kill them, you get blood echoes, and the more blood echoes you get, the more you can level up, and the level up, the more you get stronger, and the more you can progress through the game, etc, etc. So that's like how it's set up. But what makes Dark Souls and Bloodborne so hard is that the game kind of doesn't... I, the game tells you that. The games are so hard because leveling up is based on fighting enemies and getting stronger, so you are constantly getting your ass handed to you by everything. <laughs> right. And the game kind of enjoys making you accidentally fall off cliffs and having booby traps and stuff like that. <laughs> right. So they just became famous for being incredibly hard. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, it's hard in the fact that you have to learn and get good at it. Right. 
But, like, the game is always fair. You just have to approach it in a smart way. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you might get your ass handed to you by a monster, but the next time that you meet that monster, you're going to know how to fight it because right. it handed your ass to you. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want this today, sir. And he's like, well, okay. Send this back to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, yeah, yeah, I like to think of it as very much like the like original Legend of Zelda in the mm-hmm. sense that it's like there's no I mean it's weird because there is an EXP system but it doesn't really matter that much because the difficulty increases like As literally just because of the uh, of the combat itself like you have to be yeah. good at it and have skill to do it the difficulty mm-hmm. increase doesn't come from all the numbers being higher and you have to grind more <laughs> the mm-hmm. difficulty comes from your own personal skill and your ability to become better at the game. Kind of like it was in the original Legend of Zelda, in the sense that, like, there's no EXP system in that game, and you get things that help you, but as far as, like, being able to proceed, you've just gotta... you've just gotta be good at it. Yeah, you just gotta do it. You gotta go fight that ghost, man, who's got a big scythe. But, yeah, so Bloodborne is that type of game, and it's got a... it's a beautiful game. It's like this Victorian gothic kind of aesthetic. Like, think like Plague Doctor kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where you're in this universe I, I guess I should also preface that the plots of these games are always super complicated and super con... Did I already say convoluted? No. They're super complicated <laughs> and convoluted. I thought I said convoluted twice. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're super but, convoluted and convoluted and, yeah. and they're just convoluted and like <laughs> if there was I don't know they're just convoluted if there was one word that I would use it would be complicated this isn't funny anyway <laughs> but they no, have yeah, these super- Anna is super into like the story and the lore of Bloodborne yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time and I it, say something about it, she's like, don't you love this character or, like, when this happens? And I'm like, I don't have any fucking clue what you're talking about. So, yeah, <laughs> like, these games do have these really cool and, like, detailed stories that are going on in the game. And they don't really matter, which is kind of nice. <laughs> right. But what sucks about it is that the story does dictate the endings that you get. And <laughs> right, I yeah. always fuck it up. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm always trying to be nice to NPCs. That's just who I am as a quote-unquote gamer. But half of the NPCs are, like, super evil, and (laughs) I don't know that. So it's basically, like, me walking around and being, like, best friends with Voldemort, but I don't know that he's Wizard Hitler is basically (laughs) what's happening. But, yeah, so in Dark Souls, I'm accidentally right now apparently playing one of the hardest endings that you can get, and it's also one of the worst endings that you can get. Right. And I literally did it on accident because I didn't want to be rude to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) But in Bloodborne, Bloodborne has an amazing aesthetic. All the characters are super cool and have fun designs. Uh, it's the whole story is very like creepy gothic it's all about like the sin like original sin like being born and like all the like stuff around that especially in like the victorian age and all the stuff around that it's a really cool aesthetic and story and at the same time talking about like gods and elder gods it's very cthulhu if cthulhu wasn't super racist uh, <laughs> I don't think Cthulhu itself is super racist, is it? I don't know. I don't know if the beginning of Cthulhu. 
Well, H.P. Lovecraft is super racist. Well, I mean, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But are the Cthulhu yeah. stories especially bad? I don't know. I think the Cthulhu stories are the ones that are, like, okay, and then people, right. like, look into more into H.P. Lovecraft, and they're like, oh, he's hella racist. Yeah, he's, like, maybe the world's most racist the N-word. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, have we talked about yeah, that the on whole... the podcast already? I feel like we have. Probably. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft named his cat the N-word. <laughs> That's all we have to say about him. This is so funny. <laughs> He's just the world's biggest racist. Oh, my God. Sorry, continue anyway, talking about Bloodborne. Yeah. No, Bloodborne is very Lovecraftian. It's that kind of, like, cosmic, creepy monster sort of thing. It's got It's such a cool and interesting aesthetic. And it's a game that feels really good to play, but because it's so hard, you kind of have to, like, earn getting good at it. Like, you yeah. get good at the game because you kind of have to be. And, yeah. And it does get frustrating, but it's worth it because you can progress. Right. And, well, that's the thing. You remember when we first got it when we were at our grandparents' house, I was playing it. And I just sat there on that tiny TV for, like, hours and hours over, like, three oh, days. Yeah. Just trying to fucking get past the first zone. Oh, yeah. No, Bloodborne... Okay, people talk about all the time about how hard Dark Souls is. Literally, no video game in my entire life has been as hard as the opening scene of Bloodborne. (laughs) Because the way that the game is set up... I guess it's only super hard if you go in blind. But the way that the game is set up is that you get blood echoes and you use those blood echoes to get stronger and level up and that helps you get through an area and then you get to a harder area. But... In order to level up for the first time, you have to have Madman's Knowledge or One Insight in order to level up. And the way that you get that is that you can find it in certain areas or by beating the first boss. But I, me, both me and Jackson had no idea that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right. So I think it took a literal month to get past the first part of Bloodborne because it's just like crazy hard because you are a babe in the woods with no <laughs> right. abilities and no levels. You're weak as hell. And you're just trying to get anywhere through all these monsters that are, like, made to kill you, basically. Yeah. Until you find, until you get that one insight. And so I think that's literally the hardest any video game has ever been, has been the opening scene of Bloodborne. Right. But, and that's the thing about it, though. The same is true for Dark Souls, as well, is that it still feels really good to play. Oh, yeah, totally. You get frustrated with it, but, I mean, like I said, in the same story... I didn't get anywhere, but I sat there and I played it for like hours and hours and hours. Yeah, because it's still you want even to. though I wasn't making any progress at all, at all, <laughs> and it was still I can't really fun. This enough, how <laughs> yeah. much we weren't doing anything. Uh, it was still like really fun to play, and like you got really good at fighting like a certain monster in a certain way, and yeah. like it. Like, everything about it just feels so great, and it doesn't get frustrating because when you do something, it feels like you've earned it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I would, hell, after complaining about how impossibly hard it is, I would love to recommend Bloodborne to anybody who wants a cool, beautiful video game that's really... I can't think of words today, and it's driving (laughs) me crazy. That's really... Cut this out. What's the word that... (laughs) (laughs) Immersive. That's the word I was looking for. I would super recommend Bloodborne to anyone who's looking for a fun, totally immersive video game that's, like, beautiful, has a cool story, and is, like, genuinely fun to play. Like, it's a great game. It's... 
one of the many games that I point at when I want to talk about how video games are art. Like, right. Bloodborne is absolutely art. Yeah. Hey, would you like to hear a five-star review of Frozen? Yes, I would. Great. Sit down for a second while I find one. Great. <laughs> you never do this beforehand. <laughs> no, I never, ever do. <laughs> we need to make sure that I, A, get reviews, and B, think of something to talk about beforehand every time we sit down to do this podcast. Yes. Okay. So, uh, this, <laughs> this is a five-star review from Letterboxd.com by a user named uh, Hazi Schneider. It looks a lot like Nazi Schneider, but it's not an N, it's an H. <laughs> but um, I swear it's not. <laughs> he says... I think it's a he. The profile picture is a dude. He says, This movie is revolutionary. I don't care what you think. Frozen is a wise and strong movie for childs and adults. Frozen show us how love can literally be warm and save you from cold. Frozen show us that we need to help and trust each other. Frozen show us that romantic love isn't everything. It might sound obvious and a little cringy for you, adult, <laughs> but not for the kids. Oh my god. You can also see Elsa's fear as a metaphor, metaphor with an E at the end, great, great, great. to many issues. Her sister helping her to take care of her mind and holding on it's beautiful. For an adult is beautiful. For a children is life-changing. For <laughs> <laughs> children... <laughs> Talking about its advertising, Frozen changed the market. We got boys watching a princess movie. We got girls dressing and choosing blue because of Elsa. We got everyone okay. singing Let It Go. You couldn't escape the fever. You catch a cold. <laughs> you couldn't escape. <laughs> it might sound cringy to you, but to you, I don't have an end adult. to the sentence. <laughs> God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Love can literally be warm and not cold. And save you from cold. <laughs> My name is Jackson McMurray. And I'm Madeline McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. <laughs> and there are no nerds allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I hit the jackpot with that one. Yeah, that was a godsend. <laughs> can literally be warm. <laughs> Why is